Hello, welcome to the second episode of Cyprus Asking People Things. And today we have an incredible creative artist on here, designer, designer of technology and music, Salvatore Tropiano. Um, but people usually call you Sal, yeah? Yeah, Sal's easiest, yeah. Oh, right on. So if you just want to just let us know what your deal is, um, you know, what you do and what you play and all of that. Yeah, so um, yeah, I... Uh, went to uni, I studied uh, product design, integrated product design was the name of the course. That was all about creating solutions to problems in a creative way. Uh, so not the sort of um, you know, analytical sort of, okay, it's got to, yeah, just sort of tick all the boxes. Um, how can you create something uh, in a more interesting way? Not just interesting, but in a way that you might not have thought of taking it from a different perspective, a different angle. Oh, excellent. And so, like, uh, what do you what do you play? So, main instrument is guitar. Um, I've been playing guitar since I was nine years old. Um, so yeah, many years now. So what you know what what actually got you into music in the first place? Like, why guitar as well specifically? I mean, it was um, it was pretty much it was prevalent in the music that I was listening to. Like when I was um, was that primary school age so um you know this was the age of if you remember LimeWire and you know downloading discographies and hoping you didn't um infect your family's computer with all sorts of viruses and bad stuff yeah we're, we're, and we're talking about the paid LimeWire of course oh yes that's that's true yeah <laughs> so um yeah um you know, you'd be, I'd be listening to lots of music and that was my exposure to uh, a lot of classic rock music. So my first um, intro to stuff like, you know, Akadaka and the Angels and that sort of Aussie pub rock stuff, um, you know, just smashing away at a guitar. And I thought that was the, was the coolest sound ever, like this heavy distorted guitar that you could just um, you know, express yourself on. And, and I thought, you know what, I want to do that. I want to get into that instrument. So, um, yeah, because I've got you on here because we're talking about you know design and how you've actually incorporated your design and technology degree into instruments and stuff. And I mean, we've been working on some cool stuff together. But what encouraged you to start tinkering? You know what, and especially tinkering with musical instruments. Yeah, I mean, from like early ages. I mean, we're talking before I picked up a guitar. Um, yeah, I, I always had this sort of curiosity about things like I would be you know, pulling apart my toy cars and seeing like oh how'd that work and how is that put together and I'd be pulling apart like pens the you know like the little clicky pens and like oh how does that spring why is that spring there what does it do and um you know, pulling apart and then see if I could put it back together again um, so I've just always been curious about like the way things work it's just been a part of me um and something that I got from my dad um he was sort of yeah important in this um sort of life philosophy I suppose um you know, he, he taught me that the the best things in life are um sort of twofold one they're the the simplest things and two it's the things that you make with your own hands so as you know as soon as I got my first electric guitar I was 10 years old and you know by the time it needed new strings because you know they'd be rusty from you know hours of playing um you know the first thing we did we didn't take it to a music shop for someone else to do we got in there and we learned how to do it and we we took care of it and we you know, polished all the metal parts and um replaced the strings and did all that did all that ourselves um so I always tell my my guitar students like one of the great things to do is you know 
get in there and um, there's not much you can really do wrong. You're just changing some strings on a guitar. Um, do it, do it yourself. Um, learn how, learn how the thing works. Yeah, most definitely. Like I, I have a very similar philosophy in a way, and this actually came from um, one of my drum teachers at uni, uh, Dave Plenty, and he was going through this exercise, and it was just this reading exercise. And Dave was saying, you know, when we go through this exercise, it's not just a reading exercise. How can we turn this one exercise into learning five things at once? And he said, we can read it. So that's number one, practice reading. Number two, we can, you know, start to do some independence in there. So, you know, playing a groove and then reading while you're playing a groove and just chucking the rhythm on the bass drum or whatever. Number three... Uh, you can start to improvise with it. So you, you're learning that as well and then incorporating other techniques and sticking things. And it, and it ended up being around five things. If you can put as much learning into a singular thing as possible, you can really start to compound that learning. You know, so when you started to uh, explore the guitar and the the design aspects of guitar and the tinkering with it how did they actually play with one another and how when did you actually really start to realize you could you know use design to help you learn your guitar better and and then in a sense when you're learning things on the guitar uh incorporate that into your design and technology um degree as well yeah i think it all came sort of um it all came together in my last year of uni like during my first couple of years it was a three-year degree and during the first couple of years there wasn't really that connection made like you're learning the rudiments of design and you're learning how how to be a designer um so yeah you didn't get to put that piece together yet it was in my final year we did our major project um and that was where you know, I could you know, lead my own um capstone project so if you could just what, what what's a capstone project oh yeah so that's like the your big final project. Like when you're this is basically your your portfolio piece. So the precipice of, of you know your uni degree. Yeah, the whole final year was this one project. Um so it's massive, massive, do a whole bunch of research. So um the their design always comes out of uh trying to solve a problem. If you think about the electric guitar, what why was the electric guitar designed? That's a question that you sort of think about like why 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 is there an electric guitar why why was that designed and the reason it was designed if you, you know, read up on your history is because you couldn't hear a guitar that was playing in a club and you couldn't hear it over the band or the crowd even um, it just wasn't loud enough so you have to ask yourself a question you say how can I make the guitar louder so that you can hear it in a club so that these sort of how can I questions so that something forms your design brief putting a design question to music um working as a guitar teacher i'd often try and find ways to keep my students um playing in time that's something that a guitar teacher often struggles with is that a young guitar player full of energy full of life wants to just play faster and faster and faster um and may not lock into the groove that he or she's trying to play in um so that was my problem i thought how can i get my students to you know lock into a lock into a bpm so that was my question the next step is you have to think about constraints so okay that's a really broad statement how can i get my students to stay in time 
that could take many, many forms. So the form factor I came up with was a clip-on tuner. And many guitarists have used clip-on tuners before and they know how that works. It's pretty just clipped onto the headstock. So I thought to myself, how about what if I incorporated a metronome device uh, that wasn't just a metronome that could be used to help a student to keep in time with an, an external source, but also think about how they're actually playing themselves. So we'll play... You know, it might be quarter note pulses. They're just strumming away chord notes at 120 BPM. The device will pick up those vibrations and will output those as another light. So the aim of the game is to make the two lights, so the, the metronome light and the, the user's light, to blink at the same time. In other words, you're playing in time with the metronome and you've got that visual feedback um, to do so. If you can see that the lights aren't in time, you know, maybe you're rushing, so you need to pull back a little bit. Or if you're not going fast enough, you might need to play a bit faster um, in order to get those two lights blinking at the same time, the metronome light and your own playing light. So that was the whole, um, that was the whole basis of what I designed uh, in my capstone project. So like when you, when you break it down, you've really found through your design degree, you found the question, how can I? And then... You, you look at the constraints of the medium that you're working within. So when you are using this, how do you then take these ideas and then, you know, inject it into a time-restrained uh, uh, environment? So, you know, you, you repair guitars and uh, I know you have quite a few clients at, at this point in time. So how do you start to take that how can I with the constraints and sort of like sift through the noise so you can more efficiently get through your workload because you know as a as a repairing person repairing is also designing in a way because you're having to to design solutions to problems that arise yeah absolutely um I usually say to my clients for most jobs I always like to give just a week's window because anything can arise. And I've had some, I've had some interesting instruments like in my time doing this repairing stuff. Um, you'd have instruments where like everything appears fine and what you're going in there to do is maybe something pretty simple. So the problem might be the, the open string is buzzing. And so instantly that sets off um, sort of, bells and alarms and that tells me okay it's got to be a problem with the nut or it's got to be maybe check the bridge check um, if it's an acoustic guitar check any bracing you want to eliminate all of the um, the most common things first because that's going to probably be the issue and you can just fix it straight away and it's all done so things that are quite visual you can just inspect those pretty quickly and so something's loose, okay, loose, okay, tighten it back up, okay. Does it go away, yes or no? And then most likely you may have solved your problem. Um, if not, you might have to look deeper. So there was one guitar where a string was buzzing and it turned out that the the, the slot that the string sits in on the nut was actually carved too deeply. And so I thought, okay, well, that means that I've got to have to replace the nut. But little did I know that this particular nut was super glued in, uh, which caused a whole bunch of other problems too. So sometimes solutions bring about whole new problems also. Um, usually a nut is only just held in with like a really weak wood glue. 
because it's a serviceable part. You can just take a set of pliers, just um, give it a bit of a wiggle, and then out it comes. So you just, yeah, you replace it. Uh, but this one was was hand-built by the person's uncle. Yeah, it's not going to come out at all. I ended up having to, yeah, grind it away and, yeah, eventually you, know, you replace the nut and everything works again. But sometimes problems that you find solutions to can create more problems that you find solutions to. So in a sense, like when you are repairing all of these issues, do you store all of this in a backlog in your mind so that when you're designing a new product and new devices or creating things from scratch, seemingly from scratch, nothing is original, do you uh, have this backlog of, of issues that you've already solved? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like there's certain processes that I would, um, you know, I would take because I know that from past experience that they would work in certain conditions. Um, however, they might not always work. And that's the thing with problem solving um, and with repairs too, that um, just because you did it once on one in one particular scenario doesn't mean it's always going to work every single time in every single situation. And you have to be ready for that. You've got to be prepared. Um, you can try and go at it with your past knowledge and it may work or it may not work as you desired. Um, so you might have to go in there and rethink exactly what you were doing. You know, sometimes when I hit a wall, I'll stop and ask myself, why am I taking this particular approach? You know, what am I really trying to solve? Um, so when I look deeper into those questions, I'll usually find a solution perhaps that I never considered before. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, because you're actually in a band, the object project, do you actually apply these notions uh, to the songwriting? You know, when you're writing a song, are you looking at ways to eliminate uh, the most common mistakes first when lyric writing, you know, or you, you approach things or what are we most most likely going to talk about? When you're actually recording in the studio, you know, are you giving yourself enough time for the problems that may arise? Like, do you, are you asking yourself the same things? Like, uh, what are you actually trying to solve when recording? Um, knowing that all recording situations aren't really the same either. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, actually, like applying to applying design to like what I'm doing with the object project. Because, I mean, what we do as artists is we design sound. Um, that's like really analytical I suppose. Um, but what you have to do beyond that is, okay, we're designing sound. You've got to put some sort of constraint on what you're doing. You sort of have to sort of define your parameters, who are your stakeholders, set some constraints about it. Um, and so from the outset, we called it the object project because we're writing songs about objects. And so that's that's what we're working with. Okay, that, that seems really limiting. Um, oh, I just got to write about a bookshelf or a ceiling fan or... That's like, that's all your songs are going to be about, seriously. Um, but actually, that's when you start to you know, break it down even further. You start to think, like, what is this ceiling fan thinking about? Um, in a way, just writing songs about objects is not particularly relatable. You want to you know, touch people in a deeper way. So when the objects are sentient, when they're thinking for themselves, and they're not just thinking, they're feeling. And so that's how... You know, we're all connected because we all um, express emotions. We might express them in different ways and we might 
have different emotions at different times. So uh, the objects in the songs um, feel things and they it's expressed in the lyrics also. Um, and especially um, we can talk about Bookshelf. So Bookshelf is just sitting there. He's feeling like neglected because no one really reads books anymore. Everything's just found on the internet if you want to look up something. So Bookshelf, you know, if you've ever felt you know, you felt a bit neglected or uh, abandoned, those kinds of feelings. Well, you can definitely relate to an object project song. Yeah. On that, when you're writing these songs uh, to relate to other people, it's really also evident that you're writing from within yourself and the other writers within the band are writing from within themselves. And do you feel like these personifications of the objects are actually coming from within? Like, do you feel like you yourself as an independent musician, um, do you feel like there's enough support within your expertise? You know, are you actually feeling valued? And is that actually coming out within the lyrics in these songs? Yeah, I think the the value thing is really interesting um, because I think um, the people that value what we're doing the most are the people that will um, come out and see the shows um, when we play shows. Um obviously not at the moment because of lockdown, but um, yeah, they come out and see the shows. They see what we do um, for themselves. Um, and usually that's people who have an interest in music um, straight away. So, you know, they might be involved in other bands or other music acts um, where they appreciate music and they appreciate storytelling also. Um, so those people, I think once they they know the stories and like they, they know what we're about. They, they, they are the ones that readily will be receptive to value. Um, as for the general public, that's, you know, trying to create popularity is, um, uh, is always a mystical sort of thing, like to, to break through as a musician, you always hope to, yeah, yeah, this is one that's going to just go absolute gangbusters. It's going to hit all the hit all the playlists on Spotify and just go absolutely crazy. Um, we're all hoping for that. Yeah, fu- uh, funnily enough, um, there's a writer called Malcolm Gladwell who wrote a book called The Tipping Point, uh, How Little Things Make a Big Difference. And he actually gets on the, the topic of how social endemics start. And I would quite recommend to anybody who's interested in developing a social fad to go ahead and actually read this book it's definitely helped open my eyes to how social endemics actually start and how you can start a wave, ride a wave, or even just generally analyze something that's happened in the past and, you know, just see how it occurred. Uh, but, you know, do you use any of these tools to help bolster your business? Yeah, as, as an individual, um, I would say it comes down to the, the connections that you make. The music industry is all about people. That goes for, you know, teaching also, like having that relationship with a student. Um, you build a certain level of trust with someone primary school or high school age or even an adult that's wanting to get back into music and pick up a guitar for the first time in maybe decades. You have to build that level of trust. You're trusting, they're trusting you with their abilities and the development of them. Uh, it's something that you build up over time, I'd say. Uh, when you're starting out, yeah, it could probably be tough that maybe you don't have a reputation just yet. People might not know who you are. Um, you might have like some friends that 
may not be in the industry that know who you are and you definitely get their backing because you know they're your mates but um, in the industry like that might be hard to as you're starting out but as you connect with more people as you know more people in the industry building relationships easygoing friendly person um, being willing to go the extra mile for people also is something that I value because that just shows people that they're prepared to take on take on a job and give you some sort of value for what you're doing. Absolutely. And I can most definitely attest to that because uh, you and I, Salvatore Tropiano and Cypress Bartlett are working on a thing together, uh, which is uh, should be coming out next year, uh, 2022. Uh, we will be able to show some people what we're actually working on and putting what we're talking about here, you know, the how can I's, the constraints, uh, how we're using the the principles of, you know, eliminating the most common things first, uh, allowing time for problems, knowing that all situations are not the same and most importantly, asking yourself, what am I actually trying to solve? We're, we're doing that, absolutely doing that. And uh, I think one of the most important things is you actually, you know, if you have an idea, uh, just giving it a red hot crack. Uh, you know, it's been really great talking to you, Sal, with this. Do you have any social medias or anything that people can check your stuff out on? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably my most popular moment is um, Instagram. If you head over there, it's just one word, Sal Tropiano. Um, yeah, I'm regularly posting up what I'm getting up to um at the moment yeah I've got like five guitars that I'm working on all at once right now it's absolutely crazy my my workshop is got a little workshop in my garage and it's just yeah tools everywhere but it's it's great I absolutely enjoy it and uh the object project I'm sure you can just uh google that one yeah yeah we're on spotify look it's uh it's the first thing that comes up you can go to facebook instagram spotify roll there uh, Sal Tropiano, thank you for having a chat about your little bits of gold. Um, this has been episode two of Cyprus Asking People Things. Um, uh, up next, I've actually got somebody, so this will be episode three, I've got somebody talking about their work-life balance and how she deals with the music industry. Um, thanks for listening. This is going to be more of a regular thing, I guess. So thanks for listening. Peace out.